0: Book One Part Two of Plato's Republic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by m b The Republic by Plato. Translated by Benjamin Jowett. Book One Part Two. But let us consider this further point. Is not he who can best strike a blow in a boxing match or in any kind of fighting best able to ward off a blow? Certainly. And he who is most skillful in preventing or escaping from a disease is best able to create one? True. And he is the best guard of a camp who is best able to steal a march upon the enemy? Certainly then he who is a good keeper of anything is also a good thief that i suppose is to be inferred then if the just man is good at keeping money he is good at stealing it that is implied in the argument then after all the just man has turned out to be a thief and this is a lesson which i suspect you must have learnt out of homer for he speaking of autolycus the maternal grandfather of odysseus who is a favourite of his, affirms that he was excellent above all men in theft and perjury, and so you and Homer and Simonides are agreed that justice is an art of theft, to be practised, however, for the good of friends and for the harm of enemies. That was what you were saying? No, certainly not that, though I do not know what I did say, but I still stand by the latter words. Well, there is another question. By friends and enemies do we mean those who are so really, or only in seeming? Surely, he said, a man who may be expected to love those whom he thinks good, and to hate those whom he thinks evil. Yes, but do not persons often err about good and evil? Many who are not good seem to be so, and conversely, that is true then to them the good will be enemies and the evil will be their friends true and in that case they will be right in doing good to the evil and evil to the good clearly but the good are just and would not do an injustice true then according to your argument it is just to injure those who do no wrong nay socrates the doctrine is immoral then i suppose that we ought to do good to the just and harm to the unjust i like that better but see the consequence many a man who is ignorant of human nature has friends who are bad friends and in that case he ought to do harm to them and he has good enemies whom he ought to benefit but if so we shall be saying the very opposite of what we have affirmed to be the meaning of Simonides. Very true, he said, and I think that we had better correct an error into which we seem to have fallen in the use of the words friend and enemy. What was the error, Polemarchus? I asked. We assumed that he is a friend who seems to be, or who is thought, good. And how is the error to be corrected? We should rather say that he is a friend who is, as well as seems, good, and that he who seems only and is not good only seems to be and is not a friend, and of an enemy the same may be said. You would argue that the good are our friends and the bad our enemies? Yes. AND INSTEAD OF SAYING SIMPLY AS WE DID AT FIRST THAT IT IS JUST TO DO GOOD TO OUR FRIENDS AND HARM TO OUR ENEMIES, WE SHOULD FURTHER SAY IT IS JUST TO DO GOOD TO OUR FRIENDS WHEN THEY ARE GOOD, AND HARM TO OUR ENEMIES WHEN THEY ARE EVIL? YES, THAT APPEARS TO ME TO BE THE TRUTH. BUT OUGHT THE JUST TO INJURE ANY ONE AT ALL? Undoubtedly, he ought to injure those who are both wicked and his enemies. When horses are injured, are they improved or deteriorated? The latter. Deteriorated, that is to say, in the good qualities of horses, not of dogs. Yes, of horses. And dogs are deteriorated in the good qualities of dogs and not of horses? Of course. And will not men who are injured be deteriorated in that which is the proper virtue of man? Certainly. And that human virtue is justice? To be sure. Then men who are injured are out of necessity made unjust? That is the result but can the musician by his art make men unmusical certainly not or the horseman by his art make them bad horsemen impossible and can the just by justice make men unjust or speaking generally can the good by virtue make them bad assuredly not ANY MORE THAN HEAT CAN PRODUCE COLD? IT CANNOT. OR DROUGHT MOISTURE? CLEARLY NOT. NOR CAN THE GOOD HARM ANYONE? IMPOSSIBLE. AND THE JUST IS THE GOOD? CERTAINLY then to injure a friend or any one else is not the act of a just man, but of the opposite, who is the unjust. I think what you say is quite true, Socrates. Then if a man says that justice consists in the repayment of debts, and that good is the debt which a just man owes to his friends, and evil the debt which he owes to his enemies, to say this is not wise, for it is not true if, as has been clearly shown, the injuring of another can be in no case just. I agree with you, said polymarchus Then you and I are prepared to take up arms against any one who attributes such a saying to Simonides, or Bias, or Pittacus or any other wise man or seer, i am quite ready to do battle at your side he said shall i tell you whose i believe the saying to be whose i believe that periander or perdiccas or xerxes or ismenius the theban or some other rich and mighty man who had a great opinion of his own power was the first to say that justice is "'doing good to your friends and harm to your enemies.' "'Most true,' he said. "'Yes,' I said, "'but if this definition of justice also breaks down, "'what other can be offered?' "'Several times in the course of the discussion Thrasymachus had made an attempt "'to get the argument into his own hands, "'and had been put down by the rest of the company "'who wanted to hear the end. "'But when Polemarchus and I had done speaking,' and there was a pause, he could no longer hold his peace, and gathering himself up, he came at us like a wild beast, seeking to devour us. We were quite panic-stricken at the sight of him. He roared out to the whole company, "'What folly, Socrates, has taken possession of you all? And why, silly billies, do you knock under to one another? I say that if you really want to know what justice is, you should not only ask, but answer.' and you should not seek honor to yourself from the refutation of an opponent but have your own answer for there is many a one who can ask and cannot answer and now i will not have you say that justice is a duty or advantage or profit or gain or interest for this sort of nonsense will not do for me i must have clearness and accuracy i was panic-stricken at his words and could not look at him without trembling. Indeed, I believe that if I had not fixed my eye upon him, I should have been struck dumb. But when I saw his fury rising, I looked at him first, and was therefore able to reply to him. Thrasymachus, I said, with a quiver, don't be hard upon us. Polymarchus and I may have been guilty of a little mistake in the argument, but I can assure you that the error was not intentional. If we were seeking for a piece of gold, you would not imagine that we were knocking under to one another and so losing our chance of finding it, and why, when we are seeking for justice, a thing more precious than many pieces of gold, do you say that we are weakly yielding to one another and not doing our utmost to get at the truth? Nay, my good friend, we are most willing and anxious to do so, but the fact is that we cannot, and if so, you people who know all things— should pity us and not be angry with us how characteristic of socrates he replied with a bitter laugh that's your ironical style have i not already told you that whatever he was asked he would refuse to answer and try irony or any other shuffle in order that he might avoid answering You are a philosopher, Thrasymachus, I replied, and well know that if you ask a person what numbers make up twelve, taking care to prohibit him whom you ask from answering twice six, or three times four, or six times two, or four times three, for this sort of nonsense will not do for me, then obviously if that is your way of putting the question no one can answer you. But suppose that he were to retort. The Thrachimachus, what do you mean? If one of these numbers which you interdict be the true answer to the question, am I falsely to say some other number which is not the right one? Is that your meaning? How would you answer him? Just as if the two cases were at all alike, he said. Why should they not be, I replied, and even if they are not, but only appear to be so to the person who is asked, Ought not he to say what he thinks, whether you and I forbid him or not? I presume, then, that you are going to make one of the interdicted answers. I dare say that I may, notwithstanding the danger, if upon reflection I approve of any of them. But what if I give you an answer about justice other and better, he said, than any of these? What do you deserve to have done to you?' "'Done to me! As becomes the ignorant, I must learn from the wise. That is what I deserve to have done to me.' "'What, and no payment! A pleasant notion!' "'I will pay when I have the money,' I replied. "'But you have, Socrates,' said Glaucon. "'And you, Thrasymachus, need be under no anxiety about money, for we will all make a contribution for Socrates.' Yes, he replied, and then Socrates will do as he always does, refuse to answer himself, but take and pull to pieces the answer of someone else. Why, my good friend, I said, how can any one answer who knows and says that he knows just nothing, and who, even if he has some faint notions of his own, is told by a man of authority not to utter them? The natural thing is that the speaker should be someone like yourself. "'who professes to know and can tell what he knows. "'Will you then kindly answer for the edification of the company and of myself?' "'Glaucon and the rest of the company joined in my request, "'and Thrasymachus, as any one might see, was in reality eager to speak, "'for he thought that he had an excellent answer and would distinguish himself. "'But at first he affected to insist on my answering. "'At length he consented to begin.' Behold, he said, the wisdom of Socrates. He refuses to teach himself, and goes about learning of others, to whom he never even says thank you. That I learn of others, I replied, is quite true, but that I am ungrateful I wholly deny. Money I have none, and therefore I pay in praise, which is all I have, and how ready I am to praise anyone who appears to me to speak well. You will very soon find out when you answer, for I expect that you will answer well. Listen, then, he said, I proclaim that justice is nothing else than the interest of the stronger. And why now do you not praise me? But of course you won't. Let me understand you, I replied. Justice, as you say, is the interest of the stronger.' what thrasymachus is the meaning of this you cannot mean to say that because polydamas the pancratiast is stronger than we are and finds the eating of beef conducive to his bodily strength that to eat beef is therefore equally for our good who are weaker than he is and right and just for us that's abominable of you socrates you take the words in the sense which is most damaging to the argument "'No, not at all, my good sir,' I said. "'I am trying to understand them, and I wish that you would be a little clearer.' "'Well,' he said, "'have you never heard that forms of government differ? "'There are tyrannies, and there are democracies, and there are aristocracies?' "'Yes, I know.' "'And the government is the ruling power in each state?' "'Certainly.' and the different forms of government make laws democratical aristocratical tyrannical with a view to their several interests and these laws which are made by them for their own interests are the justice which they deliver to their subjects and him who transgresses them they punish as a breaker of the law and unjust and that is what i mean when i say that in all states there is the same principle of justice which is the interest of the government. And as the government must be supposed to have power, the only reasonable conclusion is that everywhere there is one principle of justice, which is the interest of the stronger. Now I understand you, I said, and whether you are right or not I will try to discover. But let me remark that in defining justice you have yourself used the word interest which you forbade me to use. It is true, however, that in your definition the words of the stronger are added. A small addition you must allow, he said. Great or small, never mind about that. We must first inquire whether what you are saying is the truth. Now we are both agreed that justice is interest of some sort, but you go on to say of the stronger, ABOUT THIS ADDITION I AM NOT SO SURE, AND MUST THEREFORE CONSIDER FURTHER. PROCEED? I WILL, AND FIRST, TELL ME, DO YOU ADMIT THAT IT IS JUST FOR SUBJECTS TO OBEY THEIR RULERS? I DO. BUT ARE THE RULERS OF STATES ABSOLUTELY INFALLIBLE, OR ARE THEY SOMETIMES LIABLE TO ERR? TO BE SURE, HE REPLIED. They are liable to err. Then, in making their laws, they may sometimes make them rightly and sometimes not. True. When they make them rightly, they make them agreeably to their interest. When they are mistaken, contrary to their interest, you admit that? Yes. And the laws that they make must be obeyed by their subjects. And that is what you call justice? doubtless then justice according to your argument is not only obedience to the interest of the stronger but the reverse what is that you are saying he asked i am only repeating what you are saying i believe but let us consider have we not admitted that the rulers may be mistaken about their own interest in what they command and also that to obey them is justice has that not been admitted? Yes. Then you must also have acknowledged justice not to be for the interest of the stronger, when the rulers unintentionally command things to be done which are to their own injury. For if, as you say, justice is the obedience which the subject renders to their commands, in that case, O wisest of men, is there any escape from the conclusion that the weaker are commanded to do not what is for the interest, but what is for the injury of the stronger? Nothing can be clearer, Socrates, said Polemarchus. Yes, said Clytophon, interposing, if you are allowed to be his witness but there is no need of any witness said Polymarchus. for Thrasymachus himself acknowledges that rulers may sometimes command what is not for their own interest and that for subjects to obey them is justice yes Polymarchus, Thrasymachus said that for subjects to do what was commanded by their rulers is just yes cleitophon but he also said that justice is the interest of the stronger and while admitting both these propositions he further acknowledged that the stronger may command the weaker who are his subjects to do what is not for his own interest whence follows that justice is the injury quite as much as the interest of the stronger but said cleitophon he meant by the interest of the stronger that the stronger thought to be his interest this was what the weaker had to do and this was affirmed by him to be justice. Those were not his words, rejoined Polemarchus. Never mind, I replied, if he now says that they are, let us accept his statement. Tell me, Thrasymachus, I said, did you mean by justice what the stronger thought to be his interest, whether really so or not? Certainly not he said, do you suppose that I call him who is mistaken the stronger at the time when he is mistaken? Yes, I said, my impression was that you did so, when you admitted that the ruler was not infallible, but might be sometimes mistaken. End of Book One, Part Two